even though he dressed up like his brother so that Isaac would give him the blessing, clear down to putting animal skin on his arms so he could feel him and say, well, it feels like Esau. Must have been a hairy guy. The Bible says that when he figured out what happened, Esau did, he says, I'm going to kill Jacob, my brother. When Jacob heard that, when Rachel heard that, she sent him back to her brother in the old land. And so as he went back and got out of there, so his brother couldn't kill him. Now, 20 years later, he's coming back with all of his herds, his flocks, his wives, his kids. They're all on their way back to Canaan. And he hears that his brother Esau is coming to meet him with 400 men. Now, I don't think you have to be too much of a rocket scientist to figure out if somebody's coming to meet you with 400 men, it's probably not a welcoming committee. And so Jacob is scared to death. And Jacob is the one that always kind of relied on that inner intuition that wasn't always the best guidance. You know, the Bible says, lean not to your own understandings, but always acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Unfortunately, today, so many people lean upon their own understandings or what does the newspapers tell us to do or the, the, you know, the Ann Landers kind of thing that's out there. Well, we're supposed to be going to God daily for our marching instructions. So he wrestles with the angel. His hip goes out of joint. Now, not only can he not run, we remember Laban said, hey, you, you took all this stuff from me and they built a Mizpah there, a, a, a monument saying, you don't come back over to me and I won't go over to you. Now he finds out his brother's in front of him with 400 men and his hip's out of joint and he can't run. You ever notice when God deals with us sometimes, it's kind of that way? It's kind of like, like, you know, God... Well, you know, that's not such a bad place to be. Because sometimes you won't realize that God's all you need till you don't have anything else in your life. That's not bad. Because God wants us to focus on him. That's the way God works. Well, now we find the reunion. Now, is it going to be good or is it going to be bad? This is where we come in chapter 33 of Genesis. Now, Jacob lifted up his eyes... And looked, and there was Esau coming with him with 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and his two maidservants. Now notice the order of things. Friends, this is kind of weird here. He's got an army of 400 coming at him, and so he decides to break up the troops, if you will. And what he does, he puts the handmaidens in front with their children, Then he puts Leah, his wife that he really didn't want, there behind them. And then he keeps the wife that he loves and Joseph behind him. I can just see the two, you know, the two concubines out in front looking back with all their kids and the kids waving going, thanks, dad. You put us in the battle first. Let's read this. He put the maidservants and their children in front, Leah and her children in the behind, Rachel and Joseph last. 
And he crossed over before them, bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. This was customary in those days to show your submission that you were not coming to do battle, but you were coming in peace. You would bow before your your, uh, person that you're coming in front of. Esau ran to meet him. Now I can just see when Esau's running to meet him, I can just see uh, Jacob's heart going... This is how you die. Because he didn't know if he was going to come up, stick a knife in him. Didn't know what was going on. He comes running up to meet him. And here's the good part. Embraced him and hugged him by his neck and kissed him and they wept. And he lifted up his eyes and saw the women and children. And he said, who are these with you? And he said, these are the children whom God has graciously given your servant. All of a sudden, from the most terrifying moment in your life, goes to one of the most peaceful moments of your life, because God intervened. I really believe that God intervenes in our lives in ways oftentimes we don't even know. Sometimes when I'll pray, and I'll pray for someone, or I'll pray over my kids, I'll say, Lord, protect them from danger seen and unseen. Because I believe there's a lot of stuff in the unseen world that can attack and hurt you, hurt your family, hurt your business, hurt all kinds of things. I believe that we're in the battle of invisible empires. It's interesting, a philosopher, not a believer in Yahweh, about several hundred years before Christ, Plato said, we live in the unseen world. The Bible tells us that we are in an unseen world. We live in the shadow of reality. This is true. There's a whole lot more going on in this world than you see. And that's why I believe every person needs to be aware of a God who loves them and that they need to be, their sins need to be forgiven to restore the communication back to God so God, the one that knows all, can communicate to you the things that are around you, seen and unseen. God's blessings extend beyond just what you know. But they go into the unseen world. The world that we see oftentimes is false. There are several sayings for it. All that glitters is not gold. Well, when we understand that, that really you need God's perception of life, not your own. Jacob knew that he was going to die. His brother's running at him, 400 men behind him. He did everything that he could do to lessen the blow by breaking his camp up into groups. And here comes Esau running right at him. And I could just see, what in the world is this? Interesting, Esau had more peace in the situation than, than Jacob did. And Jacob was the one that loved God and Esau didn't. Isn't it funny sometimes that really you'll find things in the world because we as Christians don't trust in God more at peace. Esau comes running, hugs him by the neck. When the Bible says he fell on his neck, that didn't mean he like tried to break his neck. It, it means he hugged him by the neck. Brother, he liked that. So he says, he lifted up his eyes. Who are these women and children? 
he begins to explain to him the blessing of God in his life. Now, this is important, friends, because a lot of times we think that because something didn't happen the way we wanted it to happen in our lives, that we're lesser in God's eyes. Maybe you've been through a divorce or you've been to prison. Maybe you've, you've, you've had a business and it's failed. And maybe, maybe a lot of your family has made fun of you because your business failed. And, oh, you didn't do this right or you didn't do that right. There's a lot of things that will come upon a person, an individual in their life, that will cause them to feel lesser than God's best for them. It doesn't matter what people think of you. It matters what God thinks of you. Moms and dads always remind your children every day, it isn't what the world thinks of you. It isn't what your schoolmates thinks of you. It isn't whether or not you're Gucci or you fit in with the in crowd. What matters is how God views you. But if you don't know God, you won't hear his voice. And if you don't hear his voice, you won't have that insulation from the world when the world says the only way you're going to be loved, the only way you're going to fit in if you smoke this, if you drink this, if you buy this. Because see, identity in the world comes from the world. But identity in a person who loves God comes from God. But if you don't know God's voice, if you don't know God's language, if you don't have your father's eyes, then you don't see who God is because you're seeing what the world is. Why do you think kids get into drugs? It's because their friends would, hey, you know, it'll be fun. Really? And they do these things only to find out that it destroys their life. See, once again, to build into your children, friends, not self-esteem. Have you heard that? That's the buzzword right now in all the psychology circles. Self-esteem, self-esteem. We got to have self-esteem, self-realization, all this kind of stuff. Focus on the third eye in the middle of your forehead. I don't know, but focus on yourself. The reality, friends, it's not what everybody thinks of me. It's what God thinks of me. And what God thinks of you, that will shield you and help you from the days to come. Jacob lost that. Jacob didn't remember that a, the God of his fathers would protect him. And no matter how many times God spoke to Jacob that I will make of you a great nation and all those things. When fear comes, we forget that's why moms and dads, you have to ingrain it in your children. Though you, your, your spouse may not be there in your children's life, God always is. And he's the one that will give them the strength they need to say no to the crowd. Again, it's not what people think of you. It's what God says about you. And that's what's so important. So we find now, that they lifted up their eyes. He saw the women and children. And he said, the maidservants came near and their children bowed down. Leah also came near her children. They bowed down. Afterwards, J uh, Joseph, Rachel came near and they bowed down. They were all showing their, their greetings. They didn't have to worry about COVID in those days. They didn't shake hands. Oh, I got to go wash my hands now. They just, How do you do? It's the way they did it. And Esau said, 
What do you mean by all this company which I met? And um, the company he's talking about is, if you remember in the last chapter, when he heard his brother was coming to meet him with 400 men, he said, I, I better come up with something. So he sent him over 500 animals. Now, animals in those days were like Porsches, okay, or, or Rolls Royces or whatever. It was a demonstration of wealth. And he divides it into heats. And so he'd send one group of animals. And when he asked, what are these? He said, these are from Jacob to my Lord Esau. Have a present. And then here comes another group of animals. More yet. And he goes, what do these mean? These are a gift to you. And kept going on. The idea was to soften him up. Because of what he'd said. I'm going to kill him when I see him. And so, what do you mean by all this company? Verse 8, which I met. And he said, these are to find favor in the sight of my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough for my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. And Jacob said, no, please, if I have found favor in your sight, then receive my present from my hand inasmuch that I have seen your face as though I had seen the face of God and you were pleased with me. I believe probably he wasn't just exaggerating here. He said, I've seen basically your face as the face of God because I really believed you were going to kill me. So God changed you. So yeah, God did something in you. Recognizing God. You know, friends, that's an important thing. Recognizing God. I, I pray that all of you as Christians, now if you're not a Christian, I, I suppose you could probably see instances, God's fingerprints in your life. Those times that maybe you should have died and you didn't. Uh, those are fingerprints of God in your life. But for us as Christians to see God's fingerprints in our lives. Man, I'll tell you, there's a lot there. You know, you train your eyes to see certain things. Uh, if you're a uh, carpenter, you know shoddy work, crummy work. If you're a body and fender man, you know what you're looking for. I've had many times people, I uh, did body and fender work for many, many years. And I've had people, you know, they'll, they'll uh, be with the car salesman and they say, they're going to go for a test drive. I, I want to go out and I want to see my friend. So they'll take the car salesman out here to me and say, Mike, look at this. And I look at it and I look it over. And um, I remember one time I, I said, um, the rubber side hasn't always been down on this car. You know, the wheel part. I mean, it's been cruising down the road on its side. And, the, you know, it's quite embarrassing for the car salesman, but I'm not there to protect the car salesman. I'm, I'm there to protect the brethren. And so they say, well, what do you mean? And I go, well, look here. Look, look where this. Look where this doesn't line up right. Look at the waves in the door. Look at all this stuff. Why? Because in spending a lot of time doing body and fender work, you recognize bad work. You recognize whether something is right or whether it's wrong. If you spend a lot of time around God, you're going to be recognizing God in your life. Fingerprints, things. It's really weird how God does that. Little, little, just little things that, that say, hey, I'm in this. I'm here for you. My fingerprints are on this for you. See, recognizing God. 
When Jacob said, seeing you is like seeing the face of God. Why? Because he saw the fingerprints of God on his brother, knowing his brother should have killed him. And instead, his brother hugs him. Jacob goes, that's God. That's God. You know, I believe that, again, people have asked this question so many times, and I, I get almost weary with it being asked, why was God such a God of miracles in the Bible, and today he doesn't do miracles? No, friends, he does miracles today, just like he always did. Have you trained your eye to see it? People will go, whoa, pure luck. No, God's hand in your life. You see, you're loved by God. You're his child. And because you're loved by God and you're his child, God puts his hand on you as a demonstration to a lost world. This is my kid. This is my blessings. This is how it works. The Bible says we're his workmanship. You know what workmanship is? When you go and build something, I like old cars. They have these different car shows and in the Magic Valley here sometimes and people go out there and you'll see some guys say, yeah, I restored this. That's his workmanship. He's proud of it. Do you know God's proud of you being his workmanship? Why is that? Because there's an anointing in your life as a child of God. Now, you may not know that today. I pray here by the time you walk out of here, you will. You're not saved to set. You're saved to be a demonstration, his workmanship of God's blessing in your life in a world that doesn't know him. In other words, you're going to be recognized differently than somebody else in the world because you have a God that loves you. Now, that doesn't mean because of that you're going to be loved by everybody. You would think it would be, but that's not the way it works. Sometimes they see the anointing of God in your life and they are jealous. They see how God has used you in such a wonderful supernatural way and they go around saying, well, could he use me? Well, not until we come out of our pride will God use us. And God wants to use you as a demonstration of his power, his love, his kindness in a world that doesn't know him. You see, we live in a lost world, friends. I don't know if you looked at the news lately. We're in a really lost world. I thought it was interesting, Joe Biden. I just saw this today in the news about stacking the courts, you know, the Supreme Court. In other words, if, if Trump puts this conservative justice on the court, the question was asked, are you going to add more justices to override the Supreme Court? He said this, the American public does not have a right to know. This is in the news today. And I will let them know after the day after the election. Ah! Crazy stuff. You are the light of the world. You represent who God is. In a world that doesn't know him. In a world of smoke and mirrors. And I'll tell them after the election, you are reality today for God. 
and that the devil can use day-to-day heartbreak to paralyze you from letting your light shine. He is one. Don't let him do that. You see, Jacob recognized God intervening in his brother insomuch that he looked at his brother a few minutes before who he thought was going to kill him saying, wow, I see the face of God here because he recognized it was a miracle. He trained, you see, we train ourselves. This is, people say, why do I got to read the Bible? Why do I go to church and hear the Bible being read? It trains you to recognize God. If we don't recognize God, we won't recognize the opportunity that God set us up for. We are divinely inspired by him to be about our father's business. Nothing happens to us by accident. Now, if you're not a Christian, that does not apply to you. Even when you win, you lose. Because the thing is, you think you did it. And I use the illustration often. The guy that hits the jackpot gambling. And he's going to go back next week and do it again. (laughs) You know casinos... Most of them do not have to be financed. People finance them when they lose. You see, what I'm saying is that you are God's workmanship. And where you go, in fact, Jesus said that. He said, lo, they say heaven's over here, heaven's over there. The kingdom of God comes within you. That means everywhere you go, an element of the kingdom of God reigns. Isn't that good? I I can't change the world, but I can change wherever I go for God, and so can you. And sometimes when God inspires us to say something, this is where, again, once again, I can't worry about what they think or what other people say. I've got to do what God says. And moms and dads, that's why it's important to ingrain in your child Christ's esteem in your children, not self-esteem. Because even though you may not be around to say, honey, honey, no, 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 don't go partying. And the old saying years ago, mama told me not to come. You know the song? Well, because even though you're not going to be there, invisible Holy Spirit is. And that's why we walk in the Spirit. So, he says, And Jacob said, no, please, if I found favor in your sight, receive my present from my hand inasmuch that I've seen your face and though I've seen the face of God and that you were pleased with me. Please take my blessing that it is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because, and here is an interesting thing. I underline these three words in my Bible. I have enough. And he urged him, and he took it. Isn't that weird? Jacob said, I have enough. I I think about that, friends. Do you realize if you're a Christian in this room, listening, you're a a person in Christ, you have enough. You have enough right now to do what God has called you to do. 
A lot of times we'll say, well, God, you know, I'll serve you more once I get that new job. I'll, I'll serve you more once I, 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 I get married. God, I'll serve you more once I get divorced. I'll serve you more. And there's always something out there that we will come up with. And God just simply says, hey, listen, I have blessed you. I will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Isn't that good news? And every one of us can walk out of here today saying, I have enough. You're all millionaires in Jesus. You say, but Mike, I can't pay my rent. You're a millionaire in Jesus. Why? I have enough. Do you know why? Because you have God, the supplier of your needs. Man, he multiplied loaves and fishes. How, I would have liked to have seen that. I'd like to have seen the looks on the disciples' face. The crowd had no clue what was going on. All they know is they had a fat belly full of fish and wanted more. And here comes another plate by. Mm. But the disciples knew something was really fishy going on with the fish. The rest of the crowd probably thought he had a big cave of food someplace. But the disciples knew something was going on. Those that are close to God know and see the miracles. Those around you experience the blessing of the miracle. You see the source of the miracle. They experience the blessing of the miracle. The people of the world will, will, will experience the blessing of the miracle of God in your life. But you are the one that see the miracle. See the difference? It's cause and effect. Cause is God blessed you. The effect is other people are blessed. So notice, I have enough. Esau said, let us take our journey. Let us go and I will go before you. But Jacob said to him, my Lord knows that the children are weak, the flocks and the herds which are nursing with me. And if the men should drive them hard one more day, I think all the flocks will die. Please let my Lord go on ahead before his servant and I will lead on slowly at a pace which the livestock can, that can go with me and the children are able to endure until I come to my Lord in Seir. And Esau said, let me leave with you some of my people who are with me. But he said, what need is there? Let me find favor in your sight, my Lord. So Esau returned that day on his way to Seir. Jacob is being Jacob again. You say, what do you mean? Well, Jacob was supposed to be now called Israel, led by God or chosen by God or governed by God. And he's telling his brother, no, no, you go on ahead and I'll be right behind you. But Jacob had no intention of going on behind him. He's going to do something else. Now what's amazing here, if you go back uh, to chapter 31, God spoke to him and said, you need to return back to your homeland in Cana to Bethel. That's where you need to go. But Jacob didn't want to go there. And so he, we find here, Jacob journeyed to Succoth. That's not where God told him to go. Now, real quick, if you want the blessing of God in your life, 
do what God says. I know that's silly, but it's true. If you want the blessing of God in your life, do what he says. (laughs) Enter the Garden of Eden. It's all yours. Everything. Just don't eat of this one tree. It's bad for you. Not good. That's the one we want to eat of. Again, people say, and then you have the, the, the uh, intellectual agnostics. How could a good God put a bad tree in the garden? Well, you know, there's a lot of stuff animals eat that we don't. And if God says don't drink Drano, I ain't going to drink it. See, that's the problem. God says, don't do something because it's not good for you. And we think, and this is what the devil does. God just doesn't want you to have a good time. Because he knows that if you did that, you would be really something. Yeah, I know. I need to drink more drink. There's a lot of things in the house that are good to eat in the refrigerator. But you don't eat the plastic trays that the ice comes in. You see, God says, it's all yours. It's all good. Just don't eat of this one tree. It's bad for you. And the devil comes along and says, well, he just doesn't want you to have what he's got. A tree of knowledge of good and evil. He doesn't want you to be a God yourself. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. I remember I shared this on the radio past week, but I asked this question. I said, how many people knew where Adam was when Eve ate of the tree? And this one lady puts her hand up and says, watching television. But it says that she ate and gave it to him. He had to be standing right there. Not defending her, saying, bad fruit, don't eat. You know, you go, okay. Now, as soon as you're going to die, I want to see this. And she didn't die here. Okay. And here we all are. Now, what does that mean? Simply this. There's a lot of things God tells us to do. If you want to be blessed by God, do those. Why? Because that's where the blessing, the power, the miracles of God are. That's where the demonstration of who you are to be, to be on, on, on display in a lost world. We are his handiwork. We are his poema, the Bible says. We are his demonstration of who he is when we do it his way. Jacob journeyed to Succoth and built himself a house and made booth for his livestock Therefore, the name of the place is called Succoth. Then Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem. Again, not where God told him to be. Now, which is in the land of Canaan, which when he came from Badanaram, he pitched his tent before the city. And he brought out, bought a parcel of land where he pitched his tent. From there, the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, for 100 pieces of money. And he erected an altar there and called it El Eloh Israel. God, the God of Israel, is what he puts there. Now, next week, we're going to go into chapter 34. 
And here is why God wanted him to go to Bethel. Because he goes to where he's not supposed to be and his family gets raped. It's one of these weird stories in the Bible. We'll talk about that next week. There is a blessing in doing it God's way. And so the minute that we start taking back our old nature. See, God gave Jacob a new name. Led of God, chosen of God, prince of God. Not heel catcher, dirty, sneaky thief. But we'll find as oftentimes in our own personal lives, when we come to Christ, God gives us a new name, a new nature, but we want to delve back in to doing it ourselves. We find the destruction that it leaves. You see, there's a blessing in doing it God's way. There just is. And you can truly say when you do it God's way, I have enough. I don't need anything else. Don't need to steal. Don't need to covet. Don't need to really um, let it make my heart discouraged when I don't have with somebody else because I am enough. Because you know what you have enough? Of what God put in your life for the purpose for your life. And God can add. And God does. And sometimes God takes away, which as I get older in life is a good thing. You know, sometimes it isn't till we are emptied that we can contain what God really wants us to have. So if you've experienced any of those things, all I can tell you is this. You, as a Christian, are God's workmanship. God has saved you and given you eternity with him forever and has left you here on this earth to be his workmanship in a world that doesn't know him. Now that ought to make every one of you go out of here looking for opportunity to let your light shine. That's what Jesus said. You're the salt of the earth. What good is salt if it stays in a salt shaker? What good is light if it's under a bushel or under a basket? It it doesn't shine. God's good pleasure is to cause you to to illuminate and to be around people. And you say, well, Mike, you don't understand. I don't like people. I understand that. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in. Now, he's always there. But it's interesting in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14 are the two major chapters on the empowering of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. But between those two is chapter 13 of love. Friends, I don't, there's an old saying, I don't care I don't care how high you jump. I don't care how loud you shout. It's how straight we walk. And the Bible tells us that love is the key part of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. By every intents and purpose, if you've lived your life any length of time, you can really start not liking people. Because they burned you. They've lied to you. They've hurt you. They've cheated on you. They've done all these different things. But God says, I'm going to offset that by my love that I'm going to put in your heart. And when I put my love in your heart, 
You will love the unlovable. You'll reach out to those that no one else wants. You'll be kind to those and do good that treat you horribly, as Jesus said. You can only do that in the spirit, friends. You can't do that in yourself. Do good to them, I'll do them real good. <laughs> I mean, that's the way we think. But God says, no, I want but change of nature, change of name, change of heart. No longer heel catcher, but chosen, guided, governed by God. Now we're going to go out and bring people into the kingdom. I always share this too. People are always telling everybody to go to hell. I guess he's getting quite a crowd. I think it's time we start going out and say, go to heaven. Next time somebody looks at you and says, go to heaven. I guarantee you, you're going to get a weird reaction. <laughs> somebody cuts you off, go to heaven. <laughs> that, 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 they're going to go, what'd you say? Now, <laughs> I've heard this before. It always cracks me up. Some of you older people, Ozzy Osbourne, ACDC, bet you never thought he'd be mentioned in a sermon, wrote a song called Highway to Hell. Led Zeppelin wrote a song called Stairway to Heaven. I guess they were anticipating the travel on both roads. Go to heaven. That's our message. For every person lost in the world, why were his workmanship? Go to heaven. Because the world is lost and dying. Friends, you are his workmanship. You're the light of the world. Don't let the devil, don't let the world, don't let people even that call themselves your friends try to tell you anything else. Let your light shine. Be about your father's business. Friends, you are blessed. And you have enough. You have enough. If you're not a Christian here this morning, very quickly, you don't have enough. You don't have a purpose in life. You are playing the game of the world, saying, if you do this, you'll be loved. You'll do that, you'll be loved. And all you're doing is wearing yourself out with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's what's killing you. Because you have no definitive purpose in your life. Now, here's the thing. Jesus said, when we accept him, we pass from death unto life. All things pass away, behold, all things become new. Isn't it time that happens? Do you, do you want another five years, 10 years, 20 years like you just had? Or would, would you like something new in your life? Would you like God to do something brand new and empower you by his spirit and give you hope and give you unction that doesn't come from yourself, but something supernatural? That's what you need. The Bible says the Holy Spirit, the paracletus, it means one who will literally walk alongside of you will help you. Haven't you wanted that? Oh, God, if there was just someone here to help. God says, here I am. I'm walking right alongside of you. I'm here to help you. I'm here to bless you. I'm here to restore you. You need that. I need that. Letting God be God. So good in your life. If you're not a Christian, we're going to pray right now. If you're backslidden, you know you haven't been living your life the way God wants you to live your life. You need to pray. Let's pray this. And let's see God. Do something so supernatural in your life, you'll be able to say, I have enough. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I'm sorry that I've lived life my way. I'm not happy. 
There's an emptiness. I believe that you died on the cross for me. And your blood took away my past. So from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. I want to be your child. I want to be your workmanship in the world. So make me now the best I can be for you. So fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can love again and be loved. And God, may your Holy Spirit guide me each day and thank you for eternal life with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Start with prayer. God will show you your whole life is goodness. Read your Bible, Matthew, Mark. Start in the book of John chapter 3. And just read and let God speak to you. Because he will. Being fellowship, it's so important. We're still trying to work out baptism here. But that's just an outward sign of an inward change. But letting God be God in your life is so important. And be in fellowship those around you that are going to encourage you, kingdom seekers, that's what you want to be with. This morning, for all of you that have been walking with the Lord, keep going. You're doing good. Let your light shine. Drives the enemy nuts. Let him bless you. Father, for every person here, may your Holy Spirit guide us and direct us. And Lord, may you cause those circumstances that seem to be so uncomfortable, use those for your glory. Remind us that we're here to tell people to go to heaven through you. And so may you guide us this week and direct us this week and cause your face to shine upon us and give us your countenance, God. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Amen.